Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're all coping well with the social distancing, staying at home, the isolation, but staying safe during this uh, coronavirus pandemic. But you know, nothing changes as far as human nature is concerned. We're seeing the best and the worst in people at the same time. Some inspirational stories of courage and compassion and selflessness alongside those of selfishness and self-interest. So our message today reflects much of the same behaviours some 2,000 years ago. But this story has eternal consequences. Through the wonders of modern technology, we can come together in this online virtual world of ours. So I welcome you today. It's great to have you join us. A day that we Christians call Good Friday. And have you ever wondered why we call it good? It's this day that we remember and indeed celebrate the horrendous death by crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So how can it be a good day? I also hear some of you saying, hey, Terry, with this COVID-19 everywhere, how can it be a good Friday? These are strange times that we're living in. An invisible invader has caused us to drastically change the way we live. Uncertainty and for many, fear for the future now rules. And some will say, this Easter thing, you believe that the ruler of the universe, your leader, your king, your greatest helper and hope, the one you claim to be the savior of the world, died this day in history, and you say it's a good day? But Good Friday is a good day. And I'll share with you three reasons why I think we can say that. Jesus was an ordinary man. That's the first thing. The second thing is, his was no ordinary death. And thirdly, the outcome was extraordinary. Well, let's focus on exactly what happened on that Friday some 2,000 years ago. Jesus was born of a virgin in a little town called Bethlehem, but that's a different story. That's Christmas. He spent the first 30 years of his life living in a town called Nazareth. He was a carpenter. And beyond that, we don't know too much about him until he started to reveal his true life mission and his identity when he saved wedding celebrations from going rather flat by turning water into wine. He then went about doing good things. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he gave authentic and authoritative teachings on morality and inclusivity and compassion. He modeled servant leadership. So why did the religious and the Roman leaders, uh, the authorities of the time turn against him? Well, one reason is that he also spoke the truth and sometimes truth hurts. It isn't always palatable or comfortable. And he identified people's selfishness and, and wrong behaviors and he called it sin. And more than that, he told them that they needed to repent and seek forgiveness. And that's not what the people then, or dare I say it now, wanted to hear. Now, some of the people 
recognized the truth of his words and they began to follow him. At this point, the religious and the ruling leaders of the time were becoming more than just irritated. They were seeing their authority undermined and their lofty influential positions threatened. But the crunch came when Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be God. And John 8 and 58 records how he told the Jews, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And in saying that, it was significant. He was claiming to be God. And Jesus was the man described by the prophet Isaiah some 700 years earlier. And for your homework this next couple of days, please read Isaiah 53 in your Bible. Or if you haven't got a Bible, download any one of the many Bible apps online. But a few extracts from that chapter make the point. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, for he bore the sin of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus claimed to be the long-awaited Messiah. He claimed to be God incarnate. And the Jewish leaders saw this as blasphemy. They ignored the evidence. They saw him as a rebel who was undermining their laws and, of course, their influence and their authority. They couldn't allow that, so they whipped up opposition against him. They appealed to the occupying Roman rulers to have him killed. And they played to the fears, they played to the fears of the Romans, suggesting that he was inciting the people to rebel against Roman rule, that he was seeking to replace Caesar. Now none of this was true, but no matter what they did to him, Jesus never sinned. And when he was taken in front of Pilate, the Roman governor, he could find no fault in Jesus and he saw no reason to have him executed. But fearing the crowd and urged on by the Pharisees, he gave them what they wanted and Jesus was ordered to be crucified. Now a quick mention here of Jesus' disciples is worthy at this point. Twelve blokes who'd spent three years in his company they became his friends and his followers. They heard everything he'd said. They witnessed multiple miracles that he performed. Yet when the crunch came, when Jesus needed them to step up, they hid. They deserted him in fear. Peter even denied knowing him three times. And we'll talk more about those guys on Sunday. But now let's move on to the actual crucifixion. Jesus was betrayed by one of his friends, Judas, and he was taken into custody and the guards started to beat and to mock him. At daybreak, he was taken before the council of elders and they challenged and questioned him. In Luke 22, 70 and 71, it says this, they all asked, 
Are you then the son of God? He replied, you say that I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Herod, the governor of Galilee, he now joined in and he and his soldiers also ridiculed Jesus and mocked him before putting a robe on him and sending him back to Pilate, who gave in to the chief priests, the rulers and the people who were chanting by this time, crucify him, crucify him. Easter is not about bunny rabbits and little cute chicks and chocolate Easter eggs. And I want us to grasp the horror of what Jesus endured for you and me, for all of us. This song performed by Third Day is called Carry My Cross. And the video that accompanies it graphically depicts that. And I warn you, it contains some scenes that you may find distressing. So close your eyes or look away if you need to, but listen to the words. Let's play the video. That was for all of you, whoever you are. Jesus stands in history, a giant among and above all the other great men. Jesus was no ordinary man because whatever they did to him, he never sinned. He cried out in pain, physically and spiritually. It was a cosmic pain that we cannot possibly understand. You know, watching that video and listening to that song, it always brings me to tears. When I think of what our Lord suffered for me, a sinner saved by grace, I can't help but cry. But you see, there was a purpose to it all. Jesus came on a mission, a mission from which he never wavered. You see, our sins have separated us from God and atonement was required. And that could only be given by Jesus, fully man, fully God and without sin. His was a sacrificial death. To take the weight of all our sin upon himself, he paid the penalty for that sin on our behalf. The ultimate transaction was fully achieved, sealed in his own blood. Jesus was a man with a capital M, the son of man who gave his life for your life. The one who gave his blood instead of yours, bleeding out for our sins. Jesus bled and died for each one of us here who trusts their life to him. Indeed, Jesus was no ordinary man. The Roman governor Pontius Pilate put a sign over his head saying, this is the king of the Jews. It was meant in mockery. But those who had power on earth to execute him had no idea what they were doing or who they were dealing with. This crucified man told them, my kingdom is not of this world. All you are able to do is by permission of my father in heaven. And all those who were beneath him 
Those at the foot of the cross saw something they'd never seen before. The faithful all stood in awe. A Roman centurion said, truly, this was the Son of God. And one of those crucified beside him said, this man has done nothing wrong. Another man said, certainly, this was a righteous man. And while others jeered at him, what did he do? He prayed for them. He prayed for God's grace over them, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And secondly, his was no ordinary death, because Christ died as a sin bearer. He became a sin offering for us. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. His was no ordinary death. And thirdly, the outcome of his death, the death of Christ, was not an ordinary one. It was an extraordinary one. His death for the whole world was that he took away its reason for eternal separation from God, which is hell. He accomplished what no one else had ever done or ever could do. He released us captives and set unworthy ones free. I am totally unworthy to stand in the presence of God, but I am made worthy by grace because I trust in the work that Jesus Christ did on that cross for me. That's grace, my friends. And so what do we do with Good Friday? Well, we honour God on Good Friday. We trust him on Good Friday. We take our sins and by faith we pray them onto the Christ on the cross. And I want to bring this look back at Good Friday to a close with the words of C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian writers who said in his book, Mere Christianity, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus Christ. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He did not intend to. So to summarise, we call Good Friday good because we have an exceptional saviour, a real man in the person of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. We have in his death a substitutionary sacrifice 
which no one but he could deliver. And we have an astounding outcome that you, whoever you are, may come to him by faith and enjoy all the benefits of that great and good sacrifice. And that's why we call it Good Friday. Thank you, Lord God, that we can call this day Good Friday because of your extraordinary saviour who did his extraordinary work of dying in his innocence on the cross in our place. Thank you that the result is 2,000 years later, we can worship and serve you together. To your name be all the glory and honour now and forever. Amen. But this is not the end of the Easter story. That was Friday, but Sundays are coming. The death of Jesus may have seemed like an inglorious end to the dreams of his followers. They ran off and cowered in fear and defeat. But on the third day, everything changed. And we look at that on Sunday. So please do think about what you've heard today and join us again at 11 a.m on Sunday morning for the rest of the story. And again, in the words of Tony Campolo, it's Friday, but Sundays are coming. Amen. <laughs>